0: the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now. Leave a message. They will get back to you as soon as they can at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archives shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button good morning gentlemen good to see you all
2: good morning scott good morning good morning morning, scott hi don
1: you know you really get the feeling of optimism in the air don't you in the last week or so just with uh you know the optimism around uh, vaccine and things slowly starting to open up
3: yes even the cfl is going to be coming out this past week they announced that that season's going to start so yes things are finally see the light to the end of the tunnel
1: all right. Hey, great uh,
3: Cup, Hamilton,
2: December 2021. That'll be exactly. fun.
3: I know.
1: That's going to be like New Year's Eve that day. That's for sure. All right. You wanted to start <laughs> with wealth transfer, whether you're here or not.
2: That's it. Wealth transfer, dead or alive? That is the question. And uh, But I, this, this sort of came up, uh, bubbled up to the surface this weekend as I was talking with um, some, uh, some uh, acquaintances, and they were asking me questions about estate planning and essentially you know a family like typical uh that had owned a home in the city had decided to um buy a cottage up north years ago um, sold their home in the city but bought another property in the city and a cottage up north and now realizing that they they don't really they're now in their 80s and this is something i mean for don and i you know, we've been doing this for over 35 plus years. And it's interesting when you think about clients who we first took on as that were approaching their own retirement, maybe they're in their 50s or 60s, are now in their 80s or 90s. So we've benefited from learning what, how this the shift in priorities happens and some of those financial issues that bubble up to the surface. And one of them is, should we gift money now while we're alive, transfer wealth now, or do it through our will when we're dead? And this cottage issue came up because the thought was, well, if they sold the cottage and they had this particular family had four children, and if uh, two of the children are still married and uh, with children, and the other two are divorced um and one has, and they both have children. So, but at the end of the day, one of them was really interested in the cottage. The other three, not as much. And so now the parents are trying to figure out how to sell the cottage so that they those that one child can get into it and involved, and do it affordably, and at the same time equalize the estate for the other children. And uh, so. There's a lot of discussions to go on, and uh, so this is something, you know, it's a whole big problem to have, right? But, but it is, because you're always worried about making sure there's no animosity between the, the family members when things like this happen. And so, for most of us, and the same thing with this couple, they had worked hard all their life, they had saved, they had lived within their means over the years, and had built, you know, in this case, a successful business. But it could just be, that, you know, maybe you built your wealth through real estate or rental properties, or maybe you built it through um, just accumulating or investing in uh, over the years. And but at the end of the day, you know, you find yourself with the big question is, you know, will your current cash flow cover all your needs today and in the future? Right. So when you begin to think about gifting kind of first thing, first step I think about is, well, can you afford to do it? And so sometimes it's obvious, right? And we have, you know, clients that have 10 million plus and their lifestyle is modest enough that that's not going to be an issue. So gifting now has really bubbled up to the surface because they're going to be worried about things like taxation. And we'll talk a little bit about that, too. So, um, but maybe it's not as obvious. Maybe, you know, your net worth isn't that big yet, but it can continue to grow and it still could be a $3 million net worth, a $2 million net worth. And this question of gifting while alive uh, versus through your will at death often will come up later on in your life. So I think one of the challenges is, you know, for high net worth individuals, it's not about making your money last right you're not worried about running out of money but you're really kind of wondering when do i pass it on and uh so you know this question comes up a lot and it is a it weighs on people's mind and to the extent that we research tells us there was an Accenture research piece that said there's 30 trillion dollars in north america that is going to be transferred over the next few decades right so there's a lot of money coming down the pipe and um but what's the best way to do it? And typically, people are going to be thinking about the beneficiaries as whether it's their children, maybe it's their grandchildren, or maybe it's charity. And uh, and again, do you do it now, or do you do it in the will? So let's explore a few of those things, and we'll start off thinking about what's if you're doing it while you're alive, and what's the motivation behind that. Well. Let's start off with tax savings. We all, Don and I, always say you got to be vigilant about tax savings. So that's certainly going to bubble up. So there's no reason why that's that's a perfectly legitimate reason to think about this because saving taxes. You're right. You don't. You, you're allowed to use all the things available to you to minimize your tax. And uh, and one is obviously probate tax. So if you have a, a ten million dollar estate, probate tax. That's one and a half percent. That's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right. So probate tax can add up. The other one, and this is a big one we talked about before, Scott, the deemed disposition that death. Deemed disposition that death. Do you remember what that means?
1: No, I don't. I think, no.
2: I
0: don't.
2: <laughs> it means that everything was sold at midnight, the day before you died, and any mm-hmm. gains that you had on investments or properties are going to be taxed. So that's where this capital gains tax comes into play. It could be on real estate that you have. It could be on shares of your business or your company. Um, but it's important to remember, and we always get asked this question, is there tax on gifts? If you're gifting money to your adult children or grandchildren, and there is no tax on gifts. Um, you just have to be careful with minor children uh, and how that's dealt with, uh, but that's a separate issue. But when you do make a gift, if you're gifting you know, assets or real estate or shares, There's going to be a capital gain on the sale of those assets. So you have to figure out what's the tax implications now to doing this uh, versus leaving it and doing it later. So tax savings is a big motivator by people to do it while you're alive. And there's nothing wrong with that. Part two of of the alive part is, well, how much do you give? And there's no, I guess it's not how much, but maybe what's the right amount is really a good way to look at it. And I think the biggest concern that people have in this, with this is going to be, are we going to create a sense of entitlement in our children and, or maybe a disincentive for them to work hard. And, uh, you know, there was a great, uh, there's a good quote from Warren Buffett. And, uh, he, this was a quote by Warren, um, that he wanted to give his children, and here's the quote, enough money so they would feel they could do anything but not so much that they could do nothing. I like that. Give them enough so they feel they could do anything, but not so much that they could do nothing. And that's probably a good way to to sort of, uh, a great line to live by in terms of gifting, as you're thinking about it and discussing it with with you and your partner. So thinking about those steps while you're alive, the first thing is just uh, as the parents, you need to talk about it. What are your goals? Why? And motivations behind it, because I think it's going to be important to explain to your children uh, why this is happening. I think the next step is that the parents then would talk to someone like Don or I. So talk to a CFP about where your thoughts are, the rationales, some of the some of the concerns you have. And every family's individual, right? And some kids uh, have different needs as well. Um, and then the step three would be to talk to the kids. You know, what is it that they actually need? You know, what are their priorities right now? And then fourth would be basically informing them of your thoughts and the reasons uh, behind your giving plan. You know, in a a, a good estate plan, actually, you know, you can do fantastic estate planning. We can do fantastic estate planning. But one of the best things you can do is talk to your kids or your beneficiaries about it as to why all the whys behind. Because things aren't necessarily gifted uh, equally, but they might be gifted fairly. Right? So there's a difference between that, not necessarily equally, but fairly. So you need a clear explanation. You don't want to create any animosity. And now, for example, in British Columbia, there's something called the Variation Act. The Variation Act states that if kids feel that there's, that they've been treated unfair, that they can sue the estate. So one of the best things you can do is have good communication about it. So one, one strategy to also consider is what, providing a low or no-interest loan, and that can then be forgiven in the will. And uh, that just makes it more fair when you're trying to create a division of the estate later on. Uh, and I had a little example of that, but i know we're short on time. But the types of transfers that people often are going to run into is gifting of shares, like if you run your own business or your corporation. And the best way to do that is something called an estate freeze. And Don and I are happy to talk to you about that and how that might work in your situation. But basically, the parents of a business own the common shares. They would freeze out those shares and convert them to what are called preferred shares. And then your children or the people or the child is going to buy common shares from the business and they're going to participate in the future growth. So it's a good way to sort of freeze the future growth and pass it on to the kids as well. Maybe you want to do cash to help them buy a home. Maybe it's cash to fund a grandchild's education. Maybe it's um, cash to help with a child with uh, or grandchild with a disability. So... You know, and the biggest thing I think people will think about is, can my children manage money, right? Are they capable of doing it? And if the answer is yes, then great. If the answer is no, then consider a trust. And a trust just makes sure that um, that basically protects that beneficiary. And it also protects them in case of a divorce or uh, bankruptcy by keeping the money in trust as well. So the final thing I'm going to think about is just considering incremental giving. And incremental giving is really about instilling stewardship, right? They're going to be the beneficiaries of larger sums, and uh, at some point, so what a great way just to start the process. And but you got to be careful, you know. Is this going to be a gift or isn't it, right? How many you don't want to attach too many strings to it. So it's, it, you're really so let's say you said, it, "I'm going to give you ten thousand each child, ten thousand dollars," and really the purpose is not as a test, but you just wanted to. See how it would benefit their lives. Um, and most importantly, tell me about what you did. You know, let's have a discussion. What did you do after? Did you go on a trip? Great. Maybe that was important. Did you maybe maybe balance things around? You put some, you went on a trip, put some in an RESP, you did a little bit in a TFSA, you paid down some debt, all great things, right? And great opportunities to talk about your stewardship and the financial future of you.
1: But tell me you're not going to get a you tell me you're not going to get a different story from every single kid if you ask them how they're going to spend yeah. that money.
2: You would. Imagine each of them getting right and yeah. and, uh, and they'll all be important and valid. You you can make your be your own judgment at the time. So the whole question about wealth transfer, dead or alive, it's a big decision. Um, and there's a process in place Don, like this before. We can really help. Once you sort of create the framework and what your thoughts are around it, then it's a great time to meet with your CFP professional, talk about uh, what you're thinking, and then they would be able to guide you on some of the key strategies that make sense. So there's no animosity and uh, you won't be rolling over in your grave.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now, leave a message, they'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900-CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They will get back to you promptly. 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows as well as a question via the listener inquiry button. This is an interesting question. I'm not sure we've asked this. What does a private wealth meeting look like? Does it start with yeah. dinner and hors d'oeuvres and a nice drink? Wh- wh- <laughs> what do you do when you show up?
3: Well, I'll take the niceties out of it. We'll just get right to the <laughs> meat and potatoes of what that looks like. <laughs> and uh, Andy and I have both been part of the IG, private wealth, portion management division. And, you know, what does that mean? Exactly. And really, it comes down to what does the client need? And to the most part, if you're just a, you know, a young person trying to accumulate money, and that, that's probably not a, wealth, a private wealth meeting. It's like, it's okay, okay, we need to add a few hundred dollars each month. This is pretty simple, and let's start from there. Let's not procrastinate. But as things get more complicated, and certainly what Andy's topic about estate planning, that definitely, definitely needs a, a somebody with a CFP to know all the ins and outs and what options you have. So really, the benefits, and then you create a living plan that goes over the tax planning, the estate planning, the retirement planning, coming with what type of investments should you have. So yes, there's a lot more to it. And again, we're part of a team. So then, you know, it's normally, in my case, there's seven members of the team, and they all have a role. And so depending on on the client, you'd, you'd have different parts says, okay you you should be dealing with the insurance specialists on this one and really ig has been doing this now for 90 years and i know andy and i said uh 35 years plus i think you said andy well actually 36 years was just last week for me so and i think you've already hit 36 maybe even 37
2: so hey, congratulations don way to go thank you thank you, you. Don't look a day over 34
1: <laughs> <laughs> and were they, were they using calculators back then, what, or was that still the pencil with the eraser on the back?
3: You know, I, I had a typewriter, and it just got, after the first year, got replaced by word, word processing and dot matrix printing. So we've come it. a long way on the technology, as everybody has.
1: A long way and from the counting of beans.
3: Oh, yes, way past that. Even um, probably my dad's case uh, as, a, as a CA. Uh, he might have been doing the bean counting, yes, but uh, yeah, we have a hundred and three billion dollars under assets and, and, and assets under management. IG has come a long way and we, you know we've gone, we have offices right across Canada and deal with a lot of different um, companies that are partnered up with us. In fact, uh, you know if you look at it, Power Corp is one of the biggest companies in all of Canada, Demeray family founded that, and now, now they're under their third generation with Paul Demery III um, is the major shareholder of IG, and also Great West Life. So we, we all have these this kind of symbiotic relationship with that side, because they also have Canada Life and Putnam Investments. So there's a little crossover on, on all these different things that one side does with us, and we kind of take the best of both. We're able to use that to the client's advantage. And we have world-class partners. From the investment side, there's Aristotle, Butyl Goodman, BlackRock, a lot of people may have heard, Franklin Templeton, Joralski-Fraser that runs some of the teachers' fund money, J.P. Morgan, McKenzie, Northleaf. We're getting into private debt and private equity now. And then on the insurance side, you have Canada Canada Life, Sun Sun Life, Manulife, RBC. And then, of course, there's lending. And lending has, we have a national bank, and equitable bank, as as also uh, IG Mortgages. So there's a lot that we do in terms of using all these partners. At the end result, is trying to help the clients accomplish their goals. And and then there's a the community side of things with, I know, Walk for Alzheimer's was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Empower Your Tomorrow, Prosper Canada, United Way. Lots of things IG has been known for. And we've been, IG is named 29th in corporate nights, global 100 of most sustainable corporations, and first in the investment service sector in 2021. So we're very proud of that uh, and trying to, you know, not only help our clients, but also help the world in, in our little bit, of, you know, in our little way. But really, as far as financial planning, it is really lifetime financial well-being. And you, so you look at your sharing your wealth. Um, I know Andy just went over all that on a will and and how much should you give? Should you give more now or should you give later? Optimizing your retirement. Managing the risk of the retirement, retire, um, preserving the capital that you've built, creating an income stream to support your needs, and of course, longevity risk is also a big one. Maximizing your business success. We've had a lot of business owners start their business, grow their business, and sell their business all within our guidance, all the way along. And again, Andy's even talked about that also, about partnership insurance and buy-sell agreements. Uh, managing uh cash flow effectively and again this is extremely important you know it's often not what you earn it's what you save and your lifestyle and i know we go through all those details to make sure that people can accomplish their goals prepare for the unexpected the insurance side and also the major expenditures if you want a place in florida what about that rv maybe the golf membership so there's lots of things that we we look for and it's funny you know you think uh Okay, well, I can do this on my own. Absolutely. You can do this on your own. It just happens that you probably likely won't do this well. So if you have a partner, a CFP professional working beside you, according to data in 2020, the value of advice, with no advice, you'd have a certain amount of net worth. With four to six years of advice, that bumps to 1.8 times the net worth. If you had seven to 14 years worth of financial advice, you're now over double with the average person with no advice. And if you had over 15 years of financial advice, 2.3 times. So, yeah, you know, some people say, well, what's a cost? Well, I don't see a cost if your net worth is more than doubled, personally. Okay, at the end of the day, what's the result? And people often get caught up in costs rather than results. And I never quite get that because, really, at the end of the day, we're trying to help you accomplish your goals. And most people, never seem to mind having double the net worth so it ends up being a win-win where of course our company does well by you but you do even better by us so it's a win-win and so this all comes down to delivering that comprehensive uh, comprehensive solution of cash flow analysis a tax efficient income planning preparing for that unexpected income and wealth and life insurance basically i'm estate planning as Andy talked about maybe even having life insurance as part of the estate. Uh, Living benefits, disability, critical illness, long-term care, these are all conversations we have. Planning for that major expenditure. Um, Credit and liquidity solutions. So do you get an equity line of credit? Do you get a mortgage? What's the benefit of both? Investment properly structuring. Okay, so are you structuring your investments properly? Do you have your income producing ones in the right area and your capital gain ones in the right area? Makes a big difference. recreational property planning and I know I had a conversation just last week about somebody who's looking at selling their house here in Burlington and buying a place in Florida and working all that out can they afford to do that and optimizing that retirement um dynamic withdrawal strategies total return strategies customized investment programs and guaranteed income solutions so there's lots of different ways to do it but what's the best way and again this is all about optimizing as I just mentioned and sharing your wealth, Andy just went into that in, in detail. But the one area that also should be considered is blended families, and how should that be looked at? So it's very, it's always a, a you know a problem. Um, it's not a problem. It's it's more trying to find that solution for clients. It, it's every the way I look at it, and certainly people in COVID. I just saw somebody last week. They had they had a puzzle half finished in front of them and they were working on their sixth or seventh puzzle that during COVID and I liken when we see a new client that's our we're looking at a new puzzle and how do we put these pieces together to make sure that we obviously complete the puzzle the best we can and so we also not only is it just any or I that have this and do this research we've got a great team at head office you know we've had Christine van Kellenberg on our show she's got 27 years um, in the in in, in industry experience as, uh, as a tax lawyer and then we got jack courtney who's got 30 years and again he's bi- vice president of advanced financial planning so we often go to those um, people for our our help and they, they'll help for things such as u.s cross-border issues fa- um, business planning family law questions um, philanthropic pl- planning corporate and personal taxation legacy planning because hey, As much as we like to think we know everything, no, no, no. There's lots we don't know. We'll be the first to admit it. But it's so great that we have a team that can help us at any given point. So when it comes to tax-efficient strategies, okay, this is important. It turns out that, and again, I'm sure some of the listeners out there may realize this is confusing stuff. And a study showed that the knowledge gap between how investments and savings are treated from a tax perspective, 50% of people leave money on the table. It turns out only 40 42% on the survey understand how capital gains even work. Fewer than a third understand how dividend income is treated. And then just two-thirds, two-thirds of people appreciate tax implications of contributing to an RSP and a TFSA. That still leaves a third that doesn't know. So there's a large knowledge gaps on how do you, arrive at as uh, a tax efficient strategy. So a perfect example um, example of individual with and say you're in the highest tax rate, you're going to get if you had a $1000 of interest income, you're going to get $465 is what you're going to be, be able to keep. So more than half, 54% goes to the government. Now if it was foreign dividends, because everybody hears that dividends are better, turns out they're no better foreign dividends are taxed just as interest and it's 53.53 to be exact is the amount of tax that you would pay so you get less than they get the they meaning the government uh what about eligible dividends now this would be dividends from canadian companies and you end up getting to keep 607 dollars per thousand on canadian dividends that's a that's a far better than 465 dollars on a thousand if it was interest in capital gains the, again, this is from appreciation of something that you you know you bought and then sold, other than your principal residence. Seven hundred and thirty-two dollars is what you get to keep. Two hundred and sixty-eight goes to the government, and the best of all is return of capital. If you've taken, you sold your home, downsize, you say, "Here you go, guys. Here's a uh, five hundred thousand, million dollars, whatever the amount is," and you start just giving yourself an income from the capital. You get to keep the whole thing because you don't pay tax on your principal. So that's all tax-free. And so is that the best thing to go all that route? Maybe, maybe not. It all depends on, on what the tax will be at the end too. So we not only look at the tax now, but what could your tax be down the road? So it is an ongoing, I know uh, state planning was one area that Andy had already gone through. So then you say, okay, what about uh, optimizing your retirement income? And there's plenty there. But I'll just uh, kind of sum it up. Uh, You can look at private corporations. If you owned a corporation and you'll get income from there, you'll get investment income from your investments, say from downsizing or accumulating money, or maybe even inheritance money. You'll get RSPs and RIFs. Okay, um, how should you take the RSPs money out so you don't get saddled with a 53.53% tax bracket? Or even worse, you lose a lot of your old age security because you've got too much, too much funds coming in at one time so can you plan for that canada pension plan i know last week we talked about canada pension plan that's a big one what's the best age you should start drawing on it annuity payments or pension payments and also there's a whole lot of people still getting earned income in retirement and those are still working in retirement because they enjoy it or or they or they need it one of the two but we're finding a lot of people are working later because they need something to do and they enjoy it they're adding value so with all this data we complete Uh, a very detailed financial plan and it incorporates all those sources of income and how it affects you tax-wise and at the end of the day also shows your net worth growing and we do a lot of what if scenarios so what if we took your rsps out earlier how does that affect it or okay does it make sense to take a lump sum and lose your old age security one year so that you can have part of your old age security in two years from now So this is all part of this living plan that we create for our clients, and it's great. We have so many options we can play with, and it's all live. We can do this with a client and literally see how each change will affect not only their taxes, but also their net worth and their estate down the road if if that's one of their goals. So extremely detailed. Um, It makes We can change parameters such as what if inflation went up? What if I lived a lot longer? What if the market took a downturn? Uh, life-changing events. You know, um, my my daughter uh, had a divorce, and I had to help in help out. So there's so many different things that we can add to this. It's actually endless. And really, at the end of the day, isn't life like that anyway? Just when you, you know, there's nobody that has this agenda all figured out for the next twenty years. And thank God we don't. Okay, and way too boring. There's always something that happens out of left field that you didn't expect. And that's when you say, okay, guys, what should I do here? What would be the plan of action based on this set of circumstances going forward? And could you optimize this for me so I'll end up with the best result? And that really is what IG Private Wealth Meeting is all about.
1: And, you know, you bring up a valid point, Don. Life keeps changing as you get older, just naturally, as well as getting thrown those those curves so uh, that's the great thing I have found over time is as you're going through life with whatever financial decision whatever uh, whatever you have to do whether it's insurance or or investing or, or saving for an education you've got the whole picture there and and that really helps when you're trying to line up all the ducks put everything in a row not just one two or three yeah thanks Scott We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message, they'll get back to you at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com We're talking about the Investor Syndicate. What's this? What does that mean?
2: Yeah, Investor Syndicate. Well, it's funny, I, I just sort of wanted to tell a story about maybe a little bit of the history at uh, IG. Don was talking about IG Private Wealth Division, which he and I are part of now. And that's an evolution of a company over 90 years. We're as we keep evolving. And uh, when I first when I first started in 1984, uh, the name of the company was Investor Syndicate Limited. And you know it's funny because um, I don't know growing up in Hamilton or working in Hamilton, and it seems <laughs> like the syndicate the syndicate had some kind of connotation that. <laughs> was different than what I thought it meant, but basically a syndicate is a group of companies or, or, or businesses. And uh, so that was the name, and our, our humble beginnings started out west and uh, grew uh, right across Canada. And, um, but so in 1984, it wasn't long after that, um, I had a call from a gentleman who had moved from uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, to Ontario, And uh, he was an RCMP officer. And so he was continuing to work, but just had been reassigned. And um, so he had started a relationship with a financial planner at uh, Investor Syndicate in Saskatoon, Mr. J.D. Holmes. And he, uh, at the time, talking about his own financial goals uh, in 1959. Okay, so this is 1959. This gentleman's name is Bill. Bill decided to uh, sign up for a savings program with Investor Syndicate and Mister Holmes in Saskatoon for four, just a second here, thirteen dollars and five cents a month. Thirteen dollars and five cents a month in nineteen fifty nine. So we're talking about sixty two years ago. And the way these the way these savings programs worked back then is that uh, you would sign up for a, a period of time. You would commit to a savings uh, period you know, typically 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years. And so Bill had decided to pick a 15-year a savings plan uh, committing to, and basically what they said is we'll guarantee you over 15 years, in this case for his contract, was 4% per year. And then you actually had an additional option to earn additional credits if interest rates were higher or lower. But um, so... Basically, it matured at $3,000, and he had to put in $13.05 a month for 15 years. And, uh, and in fact, in our discussions when I met Bill, uh, of course, it was years after this had already matured, and he said, well, I think I've still got the paperwork. So I'm holding it up because you guys can see it, but, um, you know, obviously uh, our listeners can't see it. But it's, it looks like an insurance policy, and it says Investors Syndicate of Canada Limited uh, head Office, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Investment Certificate, with Optional optional Settlement Privileges. Anyway, Bill pulled all this out. I was fascinated because uh, it really spoke to me it just around the discipline of saving, around how we as an organization were helping people build financial wealth, achieve financial goals years and years ago with the simplest of process, but so powerful in terms of a tool. So guess what? Bill got that check back in 1974. He actually earned some additional credits of 349 dollars. So he got th- uh, 294. He got 3,294 dollars, almost 3,300 dollars, and he bought himself a new Ford truck. And uh, it was actually an F100, which I think he said was about 3,800 or 3,900. So he had to come up with two or three hundred dollars plus some taxes to get himself a new truck. And, you know, so there's a goal. Everybody wants to replace a vehicle at some point. But how simple is that and the discipline around doing this? And time goes by, you know, 15 years goes by and suddenly here we are. We're still trying to figure it out. So I actually looked at it. If you started this in 1959, if you flash forward to today with 3% inflation, you'd have to put away $82 a month. So instead of $13.05, it's $82 a month. And if you did that for 180 months, for 15 years, and you averaged that same 4%, you'd have just around $21,000 at maturity. Does that buy you another Ford F-150 today? Well, probably not. <laughs> but uh, so obviously, car prices have gone up, And um, but maybe a stripped down one at some point with a trade-in. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, I just it's fascinating to me that um, the process of uh, committing to regular savings, paying yourself first to accomplish your goals, you can start small. Uh, it's amazing what it will do to build on your confidence and your financial future going forward.
1: And just imagine if he still had that original truck, too. That'd be something to see. I know. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.
1: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. All right, get ready for this, the last segment, the world's bubbliest housing market?
3: Yes. Champagne? You're going to have to save those (laughs) are pop pop the champagne well hopefully for a lot of people this bubble doesn't pop anytime soon but just finishing off andy and he had this really nice certificate from investors syndicate and i had been given this this little piggy bank now if you could imagine something that looks like a book very small had a had a slot put coins in and you you might be able to hear there is a coin in my piggy bank and uh it was a one-way piggy bank so the investors syndicate salesperson back then because this is way before financial planning would go around and they would every month and go collect all the coins that were put in the piggy bank and then invest that into those certificates that andy just talked about and it was it had a little thing that said the guaranteed way to financial independence was their slogan on the piggy bank so yes thankfully we've gone a long ways i couldn't imagine having to go and see all our clients every month to go pick up so loose change out of their piggy bank but, and now, with those people saving, and I know my grandfather, he uh, he was 93 when he passed away, but he owned Fox Refrigeration, and the reason I came to IG, and Investor Syndicate at the time, back in 1985, was on the basis that it, without them, he wouldn't have been able to start his business, and he used the savings through either that certificate or this piggy bank, I'm not sure what, Andy, but uh, to, help, to help start his uh, Fox Refrigeration business. So, yes... Uh, we skipped a generation with my dad being a CA, and then I got right into this type of business. So going to the the world's bubbliest housing market, all those savings, is it enough? And it's interesting. They just recently went through the top 23 bubble rankings of in, in the world of where the most expensive, based on people's incomes, the price-to-rent ratios, all these different ratios – and where do you think Canada ranked out of twenty-three major countries?
2: Any guesses there, for boys? Bubble, for, yeah. for the bubbles, uh, I'm going to okay. say we're we're in the top three.
1: Wow, three. I, I'd say ten.
2: Ten. Well,
3: Andy was a little—you know—he kind of hedged his bets by saying the top three. He didn't actually say third <laughs> or one. It actually we are we are number two. And this is somewhere where you don't necessarily want to be the top. So New Zealand was first, Canada was second, Sweden was third, U.S. was seventh. Okay, Australia was ninth. Out of curiosity, uh, sorry, fifteenth. Um, and then you go down this list. The last three were Italy, Ireland, and Japan. Was the least expensive? May not be the least expensive house. To buy on average house but it's based on people's income so they took these ratios and they looked at price to rent ratio and it's basically the price of the house dividing what it would cost to rent and we're second there 211 was new zealand 204 is us well the us which is our neighbor to the south is only 122 a price to income ratio 166 was new zealand we're 153 U.S. was 94. The real price growth, how much the houses have grown. We're kind of, you know, up there and up there, but not the, the most. And, uh, but basically, it just shows how expensive it is for the average citizen here to buy a house. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. But it's been really the perfect storm. So if you look, and I know we talked about this not long ago, but all the different reasons you have, to the interest rates are all-time lows. The principal resident rules in Canada, buying a house that grows tax-free. I know there was talk they may drop that, but they certainly didn't. Uh, Grandparents lending money. And and people moving from the cities to suburbs because of COVID. And actually all the stimulus, money sitting in the bank. What should I do with it? You know what? I'm going to go buy a house or a cottage. So all these things have led to us being the second. Now, does this mean this bubble is going to pop? It does not necessarily mean that. It could be a soft landing. But 30% growth in one year is not normal. And so in this article by um, Bloomberg, it basically just said, okay, this is." Ins- a lot of these indicators, by the way, are worse than 2008 when there was a bubble, the U.S. housing bubble back in 2008. So these same indicators are showing just how, how frothy... It is right now, so just to be aware, for those that are thinking perhaps of downsizing or saying, you know what, I'm going to sell and I'm going to, I may, uh, I may retire somewhere else. It may be the time to do it. I, there's no guarantee with this, but the froth is definitely at the top of the bottle right now.
1: We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button as well as listen to old archive shows. Thank you, gentlemen. Another uh, perfect show. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Scott.